Well, we're coming to the end of our series on identity, and uh, it's kind of sad. I've got one more talk to do on this, uh, but yeah, uh, can I have a bit more O, please? It's encouraged. Thank you. If you've missed the series, I want to personally recommend uh, it to you. It's on the web now, uh, completely up to date. So those that have been hounding me for the talks, they are now on the web. But I want to encourage you to listen to them, because it doesn't seem to matter how long you've been a Christian. We need to hear these things over and over. We need to be reminded of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. So we've been looking at identity. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. Who was I? Who am I? And who can I be? And uh, I wonder how many of us can now answer any of those questions, having done that series. How many of us can answer them any more clearly than perhaps we did? Uh, So who are you? And how do you choose to identify yourself? So if you ask most people this question, they, they will answer it not by telling you who they are, actually, but by telling you what they do. I mean, imagine if you're at a party and you don't know anybody in the room. What's the first thing you tell people about yourself other than your name? I mean, how do you introduce yourself? Or what about when you meet somebody for the first time? What are you most likely to ask them about themselves, again, other than what's your name? What sort of things is it that you would ask? So I might say, for example, my name's Rob. I'm married to Alison. That's my wife, by the way. Uh, I'm married to her. Or I might say, I'm Rob, and I've got two children, and say their ages. Or I work for Jubilee Church. I talk about my job. And that's because the way we identify ourselves is very often to do with who we're related to, what we do, our achievements in life, rather than who we are. And there's nothing wrong with this. Actually, it helps Uh, These are kind of basic social skills. And it'd be very hard to interact with people uh, if we didn't say some of these things. If we didn't say, look, this is my job, it's a very good way of getting a conversation started. And and you can tell a lot about somebody, can't you, from their job, what they do, uh, who they're related to, all these sorts of things. So it's helpful to get a conversation started. And the problem arises when... What we do, or our achievements in life, are the only things that define us. It's when these things are so inextricably linked to our identity that we've got nothing outside of them. You know, we come up against this kind of thing, you know, when we lose, if we lose our job. You know, who am I now? I've lost my job. How do I identify myself? Uh, Who am I when I retire? I haven't reached that one yet, but I've heard about it. Uh, or what about when my children have left home? How can I continue to function after that? You know, what's my role in life now? What am I doing with myself? And these events in life actually reveal a lot more about our identity than a lot of other things. I remember for a while I was unemployed. And it's just a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's not just about the money. It's that whole thing of who am I now? How do I introduce myself to people? And there's some pride there, obviously, but it's a difficult, difficult thing. And so, who I am has got to be backed up by something that's a whole lot more significant than what I do. We've got to be more than what we do. Unless, of course, what we do is more closely and legitimately linked with who we are. 
Now, if somebody was to ask you the question then, why do you do that? The answer would be, well, because that's who I am. When our identity is more closely linked with what we do, that's what you can say. Which is essentially what today's talk is all about. Because an ambassador of Christ means that our identity and our purpose combine. We are what we do. (laughs) This is both our position that never changes, and it's also who we are, what we do now with our lives. It's our purpose in life. And that's the same whatever circumstances we face in our lives. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. So if you could just turn to Ephesians chapter 6, although I have uh, put it up on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. And while you're finding that, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray that you get us today. Would you just get us? Would you just turn the light on for us? I pray, Lord, you'd show us what it means to be who we are and what we do, to bring those two things together, to bring us peace into this whole issue of identity. I just pray, Lord, for revelation to come to us as we hear this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 19 to 20. He says, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul was incredibly clear about his life's purpose and mission, wasn't he? His purpose and mission was to preach the gospel. That's not just something that he did, it actually defined him. He called it the gospel for which I am an ambassador. It sort of went right to the root of his identity. It says, I am. The gospel, I am, and that identity This is what I do. Even though at the time of writing he was an ambassador, he says, in chains. Even though he was in chains, he was still an ambassador of this gospel. If you were there, you could have probably asked him, well, how can this be, Paul? You're locked up. You know, how can this be when you're in pain from the beatings, when the skin hanging off your back? Who are you going to preach to, Paul? The rats? You know, how are you going to preach to them? I'm still an ambassador, even though I'm in chains. He was still an ambassador, and so he asked a prayer that he might preach even more boldly, despite the fact that it was the preaching of the gospel in the first place that put him into these circumstances. And if you ask Paul, why do you do this? Why have you done this? How have you allowed this? He would say, well, it's because this is who I am. I'm an ambassador of this message that I must preach. He saw no conflict between the fact that he was in chains and the purpose of Jesus for his life. He knew that he had to continue to be true to himself and who he was in Christ despite the circumstances. In fact, it was almost like a badge of honor that he wore because in Ephesians 3.3 3, he says, I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. I'm a prisoner. He was almost boasting in it. You see, it made no difference. Nothing had changed. His chains made no difference to the fact that he was a child of God. Okay, the beatings didn't stop the fact that he was still forgiven. The prison walls were no reflection on the fact that he was still a heavenly citizen. You might have looked around that jail cell and said, Paul, you're not in heaven right now, you're in a smelly jail. He says, no, I'm still a heavenly citizen. 
Nothing's changed. And so the question is, for us, are you still a Christian when things get tough? You know, are you still a child of God? Are you, are you still in Christ when things don't go your way? Or when disillusionment comes and it tries to take you somewhere else, does your identity stay intact? Because I think that too often, and I speak for myself as I have all the way through this series, but too often we are derailed by circumstances in our lives that prevent us from being who we are in Christ. And so there must be something in Paul's understanding here that we need to get a hold of. You know, why did he choose that word? What, it was, what was it about this word ambassador? What is it about an ambassador's function and purpose that enabled Paul to remain productive even though he was in chains? And I think quite a few of us would like to know that, yeah? When things get really tough, I still want to be productive in Christ. I want to still be who I am in Christ. So for the rest of our time, I want to look at what it means to be an ambassador, and then I want to look at what ambassadors do. It's about identity and function and how those two things come together. So firstly then, what is an ambassador? Ambassador. Well, Webster's Dictionary says this. An ambassador is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. There you go. So I don't need to say any more than that. It's all just really clear. But it's a good place to start, isn't it, with a definition of what an ambassador is. And there are four constituent parts of this definition that I want to look at now and break it down for you and show you how it applies to us as Christians. Because firstly, the definition is that ambassadors are diplomatic agents, Diplomatic agents. See, an ambassador is an authorized representative of a sovereign, a monarch, or government, as evidenced by a letter of credence from one head of state to another that accompanies the named individual. Well, that sounds a bit like Jesus. There was a time uh, that Jesus faced this question himself in John chapter 8. He was asked these questions by the religious leader. Where did you get your authority from? On what basis are you saying these things to us? Where have you come from and who sent you? Whose ambassador are you? And Jesus was very clear. He says, first of all, he said, I was sent by my father. Jesus was sent by the father. He came on the credence or the authority of his father. He came to do the work that the Father had given him. John 5.36 He came in the Father's name and he did whatever the Father showed him. John 5.43 Jesus then is our model ambassador. I come from the Father to do the work that he has sent me to do. And following the resurrection, he passes on this responsibility to his disciples and to us. So in John chapter 20, Jesus says to them, peace with you. 
He just appears amongst them and he says, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when he said this, it says, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is the great ambassador from the Father, from that heavenly kingdom. But when he's resurrected and returns in all his glory from the resurrection, he gets hold of his disciples and says, in the same way as I've been sent, I'm now sending you. He says, I'm sending you. And it was on the basis of this great commission. Matthew chapter 28 says this, Jesus came to them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You're commissioned. You're authorized. You're deputized ambassadors of Christ. And we are commissioned by Him. We're commissioned firstly individually to represent Him wherever we go and whatever we do. And that's an awesome responsibility, isn't it? Individually, we represent him wherever we go. It's literal in the sense that each of us should grow to expect... Look, just think about this. We should grow to expect that increasingly we look, we sound, we behave, we feel, we even smell like Jesus. We are the fragrance of Christ to those that are lost. That's what the Bible says. We should even smell like Jesus. I don't know if you... John Lawcombe isn't here today. He is just this amazing greeter on the door. And do you know when he hugs you, he wears this wonderful perfume. My wife always goes on about it. Aftershave, whatever. Anyway, when you get a hug, when you get a hug from John Lawcombe, you smell like John Lawcombe. Half the church smells like John Lawcombe. Imagine you've been with Jesus. Imagine you're in Christ. You should smell like him. And you should smell good, I think. We're commissioned individually. We're commissioned corporately. You know, together as church, we are the living, moving, and growing body of Christ on earth. We are the dwelling place of God. You know, through the church, Jesus must be encountered by the world. We are his heavenly ambassadors corporately for others to encounter Jesus in the world. That's what the church is all about. That's the first one, all right? We are ambassadors, agents, authorized on the Father's behalf. The second one is this. Ambassadors have the highest rank, okay? An ambassador is the highest-ranking diplomat who represents his or her country. So the British ambassador, for example, represents the Queen and British government in the country to which they are appointed. That's just an ordinary ambassador. And as a trusted ambassador, he's got the confidence of the highest powers of the land. And so he's authorized and deputized to buy, to sell, to negotiate on behalf of his nation with the full powers of the state behind him. He's like the prime minister abroad. He has incredible authority as the, as the ambassador. So how does that apply to us? Guys, our position as Christians is incredibly high. We've been seeing this, haven't we? That we've been adopted as joint heirs with Christ. 
We are part of his royal family. We are seated in heaven next to Christ. You know, we too have the highest and most privileged position. Listen to last week. You know, we have the ear of the king. We have authority to act in his name. You know, uh, many years ago, before computers, I was training to be a lawyer. And uh, it was just an amazing thing to be able to enter into a scenario, into a situation where I would represent my client with a, in a place of far more authority and power than I ever would have in my own name. I remember on one occasion I signed a contract. I, I can't remember exactly the figure, but I signed a contract on behalf of my client for millions and millions and millions of pounds to buy a development estate. I was authorised to sign that contract on his behalf. Wow! I don't have that kind of money. I don't have that kind of authority. I was authorised by him, and I was backed up by my client. And we are backed up, as Christians, by heaven. You know, just as an ambassador speaks on behalf of the ruler whose deputy he is, we too act in the name of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that when you say, in the name of Jesus? When you say that, you are literally acting as an ambassador in his name. When you say, in the name of Jesus. So, for example, Acts 3, verse 6, Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have. No, you don't, Peter. <laughs> no, you don't. You're just a man. No, what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. <laughs> wow. That's some backing up, isn't it? He speaks in the name of Jesus. What I have, I give to you. Get up and walk. And this man jumps up and he just gets really excited. Wow. When you speak or you pray in the name of Jesus, you are acting as his ambassador. There you go. You didn't even know that you were doing it. But not anybody, not just anybody can speak in that name. Did you realize that? Not just anybody is backed up by heaven. So, for example, there were some men in Acts who acted as if the name of Jesus were like a magic word. They were using the word as a kind of a magic charm. Here it is. It's in Acts 19.13. It says that some Jews went around driving out evil spirits to invoke the name and tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those that were possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Shiva, a Jewish chief priest, was doing this. One day, though, the evil spirit answered them. And he says, Jesus, I know, and, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then it says that the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Paul I know, I know that Christian, I know Steve, I know Jesus, I know this Paul, I know that one, but who are you? You're not a son of God, you don't know Jesus. You've got no connection with him, you're not his legitimate ambassador. 
You know, God knows those that are truly his and he backs them up with his authority. And so as Christians, we are authorized agents that act in his name and we are backed up with all the authority of heaven. Thirdly, are you getting excited yet? Oh, Lord, please. Thirdly then, ambassadors represent a foreign government. An ambassador is the representative of a foreign government in the country to which he is sent. Listen to this. He also has control of a specific territory within the host nation called an embassy. Okay, first thing then, we are from another country. Anyone feel they don't fit in as a Christian? We are from another country. You're not meant to fit in. Our government is not of this world. It says in the Bible that the increase of his government, of the increase of his government, there will be no end because he's been given a name above every name. (laughs) So we better get used to government, yeah? Because there's not going to be any end to his government. Praise God. And do you know, we've been given a passport that has been issued by the King of Kings. And it confirms our new country of domicile because we're heavenly citizens. You know, we're not of this world. But we are in it. And we carry with us all the blessings and all the privileges of the place that we come from. You know, there is no sickness in heaven, so we are authorized to heal the sick. There are no demons there in heaven. So when we come across them, we say, get out of the way. We cast them out. And this, we are charged with setting up new territories for his kingdom here on earth embassies all over the world and and throughout all time, not just in place, but time. It's called the church. The church are these specific territories of the kingdom of God. And through these embassies, his kingdom is extended and the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. So that's why we plant churches That's why we want to grow churches, not just to make a name for ourselves, but because we want his kingdom to be increased here on earth. It's like this, you know, if you visit an embassy, as anybody, I'm sure there's lots of people that have visited an embassy, but a friend of mine went to the Indian High Commission a little while ago in the jewellery quarter in Birmingham. And uh, he described the whole thing to me. And he says, you know, you cross the threshold of the Indian High Commission. You're in Birmingham, and they're all speaking Brummie. And then you cross the threshold, and suddenly you're welcomed to India. And just in case you're in any doubt, there are two guards standing either side with machine guns. (laughs) That's a different country. But it's in Birmingham. It's in the jewellery quarter. It's a different country. In a similar way, the church is an embassy of God's kingdom. And so when people enter into the community of the church, not the building, the people, 
When they enter into the community of the church, they enter the territory and protection of the kingdom of heaven. And many benefits, the many benefits of our heavenly citizenship. So I find it hard to understand, you know, why people think it's okay to be a Christian, but not a fully functioning and committed part of the local church. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of that community? Why would you ever want to miss a service or any kind of gathering? That's the kingdom of heaven on earth. Why would you want to be away from that? Fourthly then, an ambassador is on special temporary assignment. You know, ambassadors serve at the pleasure of their sovereign or government and can be recalled at any time, sometimes to be reassigned elsewhere, or because of protest they can be recalled, or their term of office has come to an end. And that's because, you see, citizenship always trumps temporary host nation. You've always got a home somewhere else, even though you're on temporary assignment to this place. And you know, we can be recalled too. Jesus can send us or recall us at any time. He can move us to anywhere that he wants at any time he wants. The whole world is his, and he has the authority to deputize any one of us to any nation of the world that he wants, even to Solihull. Anywhere in the world, we get Solihull. But you know, we're on loan from heaven. Did you know that? And we can also be recalled too. I I think even sometimes we can be recalled on protest from heaven. You know, ambassadors are recalled sometimes in situations where there's been a breach of human rights. So as a sign of protest the sending nation will call back their ambassadors. Well, do you know, I think that God does that sometimes as well. You know, um, Jesus sent out his disciples once and he instructed them that if they were not well received in a house or in a town or a village, that they were to shake the dust off their feet and to move to another place where they were received. Hey guys, how about that as a strategy for evangelism? You know... uh, If they don't receive you, go home. Don't pursue it anymore. Then, of course, we can also be recalled to our home country. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, you may be there also. It's John chapter 14. Because one day we will go to be with Jesus. Even that, even it, that could be either because he's coming again, which he is, he's coming again to call us to himself, or it's because we die. We're recalled to heaven, because that's where we belong. We're all on loan to earth for as long as God wants us here, or until our particular part of his mission has been completed. Until that happens, you can't die. No sickness can get you. Nobody can kill you because your mission hasn't finished yet. You're on loan until he calls you back. It felt like somebody needed to hear that today. 
We are all on temporary assignment to earth. It's not our home anymore, so don't get too settled here. Don't build yourself too many kingdoms and castles. Invest in heaven. That's where we belong. So, we've established that we're ambassadors for Christ. We're authorized agents of the highest rank, representing a foreign nation, the kingdom of heaven, and we're on temporary assignment from the king of kings. So what is it that we actually do? And because of this is because of who we are, remember, that this is what we do. So what is it that we actually do? What do ambassadors do? And I'm going to give you this fairly briefly. I've already given you some hints, but in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul really spells it out, and you've got to look at this passage if you're talking about ambassadors. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because there is no coincidence in his use of this word ambassador and all that it represents. So 2 Corinthians 5.20, I'm just going to read one verse, but there's a whole chunk that you can read on this. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Our primary role as ambassadors is that through us, God brings reconciliation to the world. That's our primary reason to be. Paul calls this our ministry of reconciliation. It's the job of bringing people back into relationship with God. We're kind of on peace mission from heaven. We're peace envoys from heaven as ambassadors of Christ. And in ambassador language, you see, heaven has pronounced war on sin and darkness. Did you know that? Heaven has pronounced war on it because the wrath of God is one day going to be revealed against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men. That's what Romans 1.18 says. Every human being that lives or who has ever lived is going to one day have to stand before God and give account for their lives. They're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of God. Every one of us. And those who are not reconciled to God at that point are in terrible danger. And so before that great and terrible time, God appeals to mankind through every one of us, his ambassadors on earth, to get right with God. And as ambassadors of his kingdom, we're authorized to offer terms of a peace agreement. See, this is the agreement... Jesus has paid the debt. The gap of reconciliation has been bridged. Jesus has made a way back to God through his blood. And here are his terms. Repent and believe. Turn away from your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. (laughs) Those are the terms of the peace agreement that we are authorized to deliver. There's no negotiation because heaven has already won the war. Okay, so these are the terms of peace that every human being needs to hear. 
And as ambassadors of this good news, we've got both the privilege and the responsibility to tell people about it. That's what we're here for. That's why you're alive today. That's why we exist. So what this means is that as an ambassador of God, I can legitimately go to an unbeliever and say, you've sinned and you will certainly face God's wrath. There's a huge gulf between you and you're guilty and there's nothing that you can do about it. I might put it in nicer terms than that. (laughs) But I come with the terms of heaven. This is the nice bit. I come with the terms of heaven and I'm authorised as an ambassador of Christ to offer you peace. Let me introduce you to the king that I represent because he wants you in his kingdom today. His kingdom's coming and he wants you with him in that kingdom. Is that exciting or what? That's our job. What a wonderful privilege. And if people ask you, well, why are you doing this? You can say, well, that's because this is who I am. I'm an ambassador of Christ. This is what I do. I carry the terms of his peace. And I carry those terms, but I have experienced it. I was talking to this guy last night, and I was saying to him, I'm telling you this not because it's my religion, but because I've experienced it. I've met Jesus for myself. He is the most wonderful person, and I want you to meet him because he's not some kind of vague force in the in the universe. He's a person. You can speak to him. He speaks to you, and he's wonderful. I really want you to know him. And thought, back off. Not too strong. Oh. God appeals through us to the world. You know, through our words, through our actions, through our lives, through our testimony, through everything that we are. That's how God works. Through all that we were, your testimony, through all that we are, have become and will become. We are the living, breathing example of the goodness of God to the world. Do you know the world needs to know that? So are you functioning as the ambassador that you are? Did you know it was that easy? Just be yourself. People know that you're different. You're an ambassador of Christ and you carry this amazing peace with you. What's stopping you? Because this isn't about something you need to do. Actually, it's, it's more about being true to who you are. You know, we make such a big thing of you've got to evangelize, you've got to speak to so many people, or there's pressure, but actually you've just got to be who you are. You know, like Rosie was saying in her testimony earlier, it was just the most natural thing in the world to say, God healed me last night, can I pray for you? That's how natural it is. And you know, it's when we get completely clear on our identity and who we are and also what we've been saved from that we have both the confidence and the desire 
to tell others because it is just such good news. It's just so wonderful. Do you know, I don't know where I'd be today if I didn't know Jesus. I don't know how I would cope with life. Oh, Jesus is just a crutch. No, he's much more than a crutch. (laughs) I don't know if I'd be alive today without Jesus. And if, if nothing else, I just want to excite you again for Jesus and that wonderful relationship, that wonderful place that we have as his ambassadors. I'm going to finish with three practical things, three simple ways that we can exercise our ambassadorial authority. Three simple ways. Here's the first one. Pray. You can pray on behalf of people who don't know Jesus yet. You can pray on behalf of your family. You can pray on behalf of your friends and the world to be reconciled to Jesus. Katie was talking to us recently saying that her mum wanted to... What did she say? Say it again for me, Katie. Did you get that? (laughs) So she wanted us to thank God for answering the prayers that she had asked us to pray. You know, that's kind of weird, but actually that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So we really believe in God for something there. Secondly, share our story with others. You know, people can't argue with your testimony. Well, they can. They can call you a liar. But, you know, people don't tend to do that very often. You can share your story with others because, you know, our testimony has got incredible power. Uh, some of the best conversations I've had with people have not been trying to argue doctrine and whether God exists, blah, blah, blah. It's actually... God healed me when I was four years old and I had an encounter with him and I've never been the same since. It's much more powerful. (laughs) Thirdly, display the love of God to the world. Love people. You know, 1 John 4.12 says that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. By this will all men know that you are my disciples because you love one another like you do. Let them see the love of God for what it is. That's all. We are ambassadors for God in this ministry of reconciliation. And I'm just going to finish and ask you one question. Are you prepared to accept your commission papers today? Ambassadors of Christ. Mm. If you want to say yes, stand with me and accept your papers. And say, Lord, not looking at anybody, you know, just right where you are, just put your hands out as a sign of saying, Lord, I take those papers of commission. I accept the commission that you have given me to be an ambassador of yours. Just right where you are, why don't you just do that? Put your hands out and say, Lord, I accept my papers of commission. And Jesus, as I read to you a bit earlier, he says, when he came and he stood amongst the disciples, 
He stood in the middle of the room. He just suddenly appeared amongst them and he gave them their commission papers and then it says that he just breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So with the commission comes the Holy Spirit. So I just want to breathe on you, the Holy Spirit. So receive the Holy Spirit. Receive his empowerment. He is the one that empowers us to talk about Jesus. He's the one that brings Jesus to life for us. He's the one that is the power of God for salvation. It's through the working of the Holy Spirit that we were saved and convict. His job is to convict the world of sin. It's not your job. It's not my job to convict people of sin. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit in us and through us. So Holy Spirit, will you just come and fill us again, Lord? We, we thank you, Lord, that you don't condemn us for those times that we didn't speak up, when we didn't say what we meant to say, all oh, that stuff that's been going on. There's no guilt here. But Lord Jesus, you commission us, you send us, and you empower us. So Lord, we just receive that afresh, as if for the first time. And I pray, Lord, that we would have some amazing conversations this week with different people. I want to thank you for that Indian man last night. Wow! How can I find peace with God? Lord, I want to hear more of those stories. I want to hear people saying, how can I be saved? Lord Jesus, we ask you for that. Will you use us? We just want to be ourselves, loving Jesus and loving other people. And we say, Lord, would you save some people through us? Because, Lord, I want to see some people saved. I want to lead people to you, Lord Jesus, because you are the best thing since sliced bread. In fact, you're better than sliced bread, Lord. You're better than anything. Lord, so we honour you, and we worship you, and we love you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.